Good Friday, the day that our Lord accomplished what He came to do, the day that He stood in the place of sinners and became a substitute, that He may give life to those who repent and believe. It was a dark day, the darkest in the history of the world, but it was a glorious day. It was a day that Christians for all eternity will look to in thankfulness. For it was on this day that our Lord stood condemned in our place. Upon receiving the sentence of death by an appeasing Pilate to the shouts of celebration by the Jewish leaders, Jesus was beaten, He was mocked, And he was led to the place of his death outside of the city. A place known as the skull. With every lash, with every slap, every insult, Christ is enduring the consequences of sin. Sin that was not his own, but ours. He had been declared innocent throughout the night. The Jewish leaders had to scramble to find a false witness who could testify. They had no true charges that they could bring against Him. This lamb without blemish. Pilate knew Him to be innocent. Simply a problem that the the Jewish leaders were trying to get rid of. So he sent Him off to Herod. Herod was thrilled to see Him. After all, Jesus had done so many signs, so many wonders, and yet Jesus remained silent before Him. Herod mocked Him and sent Him back to Pilate with no guilty verdict. Pilate again receives Him only to turn Him over to the wishes of the crowd. Crucifixion, they cried, and it was a crucifixion that they would see. And what is Jesus thinking during this time? He's bloodied. He's now nailed to the cross. And He prays. He prays, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. His mind is not on revenge. It's not on hate. He is displaying before their eyes everything that He had taught. He is embodying loving your neighbor. Hanging on the cross, His words are still full of grace and truth. And He prays that the the Father might forgive them for they do not understand what is taking place, what they have set in motion. Their loud cries of, He saved others, let Him save Himself if He is the Christ of God, His chosen one. These cries just display their ignorance. They are blind to what is taking place. This is exactly what Paul describes in in 2 Corinthians 4.4 when he writes, in their case, the gods of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the Gospel 
of the glory of Christ who is the image of God. They are blind to the light of the glory of the Gospel of Jesus Christ that is on display right before their eyes. They knew that He had saved others. That much was was clear. They could not deny all the good works that He had done. However, they failed to see that it was only through His death that salvation could be achieved. They did not understand that if Jesus chose to save Himself, man would be without hope. If Jesus saved Himself, man would still be under the wrath of God. If Jesus would have come down from the cross, we would still be dead in our sins. If Jesus chose life in this world, we would have none in the next. And it wasn't just the rulers though. Do you see that in the text? The soldiers are also saying the same. If you're The king of the Jews, save yourself. Now why would these Gentile soldiers be concerned with this? Do they actually believe that the king of the Jews could come down from the cross? Would they expect Caesar, their king, to to step off the cross? Even in the midst of a crucifixion, they knew that this man was different. The king of the Jews is not like other kings. And these groups continue to to mock, but in their insults, they are speaking more truth than they ever have before. Jesus is the Christ of God. He is the Chosen One. He is the King of the Jews. He is the Christ. Jesus knows it, and so He asks that the Father show mercy to these poor ignorant, blinded individuals who do not know what they're doing. And these are not empty words from the lips of our dying Lord. Because it's at this moment that the the criminals beside Him speak. One joined in and and mocked Him. He wants Jesus to, to step off the cross. Come down from that and hey, take me with you. Perhaps laughing at the absurdity of this thought, perhaps even crying at the realization that his life is being quickly extinguished out of hope with no other options. However, the other is not interested in mocking. Not at this moment. He sees clearly, maybe for the first time in his life, Look at the text. We see this. Verse 40. But the other rebuked him saying, Do you not fear God since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward for our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. The second criminal rebukes the first. He understands that they are guilty. After all, they would not be hanging on the cross if they were innocent. But Jesus is different. 
They are getting what they deserve. He understands that He deserves the death that He is dying. But Jesus doesn't. Jesus has done nothing wrong. So instead of mocking, He asks that Jesus remember Him when He comes into His kingdom. He believes that Jesus is the coming King. He is the Christ of God, the Chosen One. And he believes that his only hope for salvation is Jesus remembering him when he comes into his kingdom. This repentant criminal is coming to the Savior. What is Jesus' response? In verse 43 we read this, And he said to him, Truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Hanging on the cross, Jesus is ready to save those who repent and believe. He gave that man the most wonderful promise that one could ever have, that he would be with Jesus for eternity. Salvation comes in the most unexpected ways to the most unexpected people. This condemned criminal hanging on the cross was going to enter into the kingdom of God alongside his king. The religious leaders down below were outside mocking, jeering, insulting, and yet this man, the most unlikely of all, is brought in. The last are indeed first, and the first last. And if you have never repented of your sin and believed in Christ, then do so today. There's no one that is too far gone for the grace of God. You have the opportunity today to believe in Jesus and be saved as He was willing to forgive on the cross So now He stands ready, willing, and able to forgive and to welcome you into His kingdom if you would repent and believe. Look at the cross. Look at what Jesus did in order to rescue dying sinners. He gave His life so that we could have ours. Stare deeply at the cross, and see the love of Jesus being poured out. Do not reject it. Do not cast Him aside, but embrace Him. Bring Him close. He is your hope. He is your life. And if you've never trusted Christ, He is ready to save tonight. Verse 44, it was now about the sixth hour and there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour, while the sun's light failed. And the curtain of the temple was torn in two. At noon on this Good Friday, the sun did not shine. At the brightest time of the day, there was darkness. For three hours, the physical world perfectly represented what is taking place in the spiritual world. Darkness reigned as the Son of God was hanging on the cross and the sun would not shine its light. 
we read in Matthew's account of the crucifixion and death of Jesus that the earth began to shake at His death. That rocks split open. As its Creator was being killed, creation was unwilling to play any part in what man was doing. It was as if as, as Christ was hanging on the cross suspended between earth and the sky that neither would claim responsibility for this. Neither wanted any role to play. Man was committing an act that creation wholeheartedly rejected. If they were going to do this to the Son of God, then the sun would not shine upon them and the sun's light failed. If they were going to crucify the Lord of all, then they would do so on ground that would not remain steady. And the curtain of the temple was torn in two. The presence of God was now open for both Jew and Gentile alike. The final sacrifice has been made. There no longer remains any need for another atonement. The price has been paid. And the temple as the place of sacrifice in Israel has been removed. Our high priest has entered into the presence of God for us. And Jesus cries with a loud voice for all to hear, Father, into Your hands I commit My Spirit. With this final statement, the Son of God dies. No one took His life from Him, but He willingly gave it. Not the Jewish rulers, nor Herod, nor Pilate could cause His Spirit to depart from Him, but He committed it into the hands of His Father who was well pleased. Jesus was in control the entire time. His death was not an accident. He was not a good teacher that happened to be at the wrong place at the wrong time. He was the good shepherd who willingly laid down his life for his sheep. No one could take away his life. He willingly gave it as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Now when the centurion saw what had taken place, he, he praised God saying, certainly this man was innocent. A centurion, a pagan looking on and what's taking place makes a remarkable statement. He declares Jesus to be innocent. What? How could he be innocent? He's, he's hanging on a cross. How many crucifixions had this centurion witnessed in his lifetime? How, many, how much pain had he brought about as an overseer of the executions? And yet... When Jesus is crucified, he understands that Jesus is different. Unlike all the others, Jesus is innocent. And so this centurion, alongside the Jewish rulers, alongside Herod, alongside Pilate, declare the truth that Jesus was innocent. He committed no crime. He was who he said he was. And Luke again clearly displays for us that Jesus was innocent. We cannot miss that. 
But he's not the only one that responds to the, to the death of the Son of God. The crowd also responds. The text says, in all the crowds that had assembled for this spectacle, when they saw what had taken place, returned home beating their breasts. It's interesting that the word here used is spectacle. It was a sight to see. It was different from any other execution that had taken place before their eyes. It was a spectacle. And they return home beating their breasts. This is the response of remorse and guilt. They are ashamed for what they had just seen and played a part in, whether actively or passively. They knew that Jesus was innocent, and they were ashamed. It brings to mind the, the parable that Jesus tells us in Luke 18, the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. As the tax collector goes up to the temple to pray, he does not even look up to heaven, but it says he beats his breast and begs for the mercy of God. Now, the text does not say they were repenting, but in this moment, they felt the weight of guilt for what they had done. And if we're honest, this should be our response every time we see the cross of Christ. Regardless of the emotions that spring up within us as we think about the cross, one of the first feelings that we should feel is guilt. It was our sin that led Jesus to the cross. We put Him there. We may not have physically nailed him to the cross, but it was our sin. It was my sin. It was your sin that led him to go. And there is no salvation apart from an understanding of our guilt before him. If we do not understand ourselves as sinners, then we have no need for a Savior. Have you felt the weight of just how awful your sin is. If you haven't, then, then look to the cross with fresh eyes. Every little sin that you have committed, every little, it's not that big a deal, cost Jesus His life. Each outburst of anger, each lustful thought, each small lie led to the death of the sinless Son of God. We should weep at the thought of the cross. We cannot bypass our sin as if it is insignificant. We should beat our breast in hatred for our sin. And when you see the cross as what your sin deserved, as what you deserved, Look again and see the wonder of the love of God being shown. Look again and see the infinite love of God as the Son willingly stands as a substitute, bearing the full penalty of the wrath of God so that we don't have to. What a love What's a cost? We stand forgiven at the cross. Look with tears of joy at the hope for now and eternity 
Look at the salvation that has come because Christ died. And we repent because we're turning away from the sin that cost Jesus His life and are turning to follow Him. And we believe because Jesus is who He says He is. Truly God, truly man, our substitute, our advocate before God, ready to receive those who believe. We cannot believe and stand at a distance like those in verse 49. And all his acquaintances, this is verse 49, and the women who had followed him from Galilee stood at a distance watching these things. Do not stand at a distance and look on. Run to the cross. Run to the foot of the cross. See, the Christian is the one who can from the depths of his soul sing these words, nothing in my hands I bring, simply to thy cross I cling. Naked come to thee for dress, helpless look to thee for grace. Foul I to thy fountain fly, wash me Savior or I die. We have no hope apart from the blood of Christ on the cross. He is the Christ of God. He is the Chosen One. He is the King of the Jews. He is our hope. He is our substitute. He is our Savior. And it's the giving of His life that makes the darkest day in human history a very good Friday. The Lamb of God is slain for sin, buried in the grave, but Sunday is coming. We know that He doesn't remain in the grave, but rises to bring salvation to all who will repent and believe. And we may not be together in the same room, but wherever you are, if you have never repented of your sin and believed in Jesus, then I implore you right now to do so. Confess your sin to Jesus and come to Him for forgiveness. The cross shows both our our guilt and the depth of the love and the forgiveness that is ours in Christ. He is ready to forgive and to receive you today. For the believer, look to the cross in hope. On it rests our eternity because our Savior died in our place. Have joy because the work of salvation is completed. Take heart in the words of our Savior. It is finished. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for who You are. We thank You for the hope that we have because You willingly stood in our place condemned. God, I pray if there's somebody watching that has not repented, that has not trusted in You, that today would be the day that they would do so. That they would see the cross as a monument to their sinfulness. But next as a monument to Your love for us. That we have hope. 
because Christ died and rose again. Lord, I pray that those who are on the edge on whether or not they should they should come to faith in Christ, that they should actually believe that today would be the day that they do so, that you would, you would not allow them to sleep tonight until they are right with you. And Lord, for the, the believers that we wish, we deeply wish were gathered here with us, Lord, I pray that this would be a time of celebration and joy because Christ died in our place. And we have hope and we have forgiveness for eternity because of what He's done. Lord, we praise You for who You are and for what You have done. You are our hope. You are our life. It's in Your Son's beautiful name that we pray. Amen.